We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baisley, catch me out. There you go. Horford catches, kicks, Dort for the win. It's good! Another ferocious slam by Hamadou Diallo. For the lead, Gilgis Alexander got it! The Thunder lead by one! What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast post-game edition Friday night where the Thunder have defeated the Atlanta Hawks for their second straight win. 118 to 109. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. No guest with us tonight. We've had guests from other teams come on on our post game shows recently. We were unable to secure an Atlanta guest for tonight, so it's just a solo pod. Hope you guys don't mind. But again, the Thunder win this game 118 to 109 for their second straight win. That makes the Thunder's record now 14-19. and 19. They are actually tied with Atlanta for the 8th worst record in the league. What a fun and interesting game tonight. So much to break down. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you guys a few things. First off, if you don't already, make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We will be going live Sunday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, as always, for our full week podcast. We will take your questions in the chat. We'll have a blast. We'll come hang out for about an hour, hour and a half. So please make sure you do that. Also, check out our shirts. If you go to our Twitter handle, you can find links to all of our shirts. New shirt dropped this week, the Dortal Combat shirt, which is absolutely incredible. So you're going to want to go get your hands on that one after Lou Dort's game winner this week. Speaking of, if you frequently listen to the post-game pod, hopefully you notice the new wrinkle in the intro music. 
I added Lou Dort's game winner audio to that as well. So it's going to be fun to listen to for the weeks and months moving forward. Lastly, we have some news coming up next week about our post-game podcast. Don't worry, we're still doing them. We'll be going uh, and dropping a pod for you guys after every Thunder game. Just a little bit of a change of a format, hopefully making it a little more interactive for you all. So be on the lookout for that. We'll probably drop some news on that early next week, but it's something that us here at The Uncontested, uh, we've worked really hard for and we're really excited about. So we're excited to share that news with you guys. With all of that being said, let's dive in to this game. Once again, the Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Atlanta Hawks 118-109. to First thing we've got to talk about in this game is those god-awful uniform matchups. This game started off the Thunder wearing the alternate oranges, the Hawks wearing their reds. And if you have a little bit of colorblindness, God bless your soul, you probably couldn't watch the first half of this basketball game. It was impossible. Uh, The two jerseys were very, very similar. I had a hard time keeping up with it personally, uh, and I am not colorblind, so I can only imagine people who do suffer from that uh, probably just had to turn this freaking game off, and I do not blame you. At halftime, though, the league actually called down and had the Thunder change to their whites because Atlanta only had their red jerseys with them tonight. So the Thunder changed to their white jerseys with blue, um, what do you call it, accessories? I was going to say accents. Blue accessories, um, the the headbands, the shooting sleeves, the compression pants, etc. So Thunder went with white and blue in the second half, and it made the uniform matchup so much better. But first time I've ever seen that happen, a team change at halftime uh, into new uniforms. We used to see Russ like change his shoes all the time at halftime, but I've never seen someone completely change their uniforms. That was fascinating. Uh, Didn't matter what the Thunder wore tonight. They could have worn orange. They could have worn white. They could have worn blue. They could have worn uh, Jinkos. They could have worn uh, some skinny jeans. They could have worn tutus. Doesn't matter. They gave Atlanta the business all night regardless. I don't think it mattered what they wore. So, but uh, interesting with the jerseys nonetheless. All right. First thing I want to say about this game is that the Hawks, at least from what I saw tonight, I know they're missing players, okay? I know that some of their guys, some of their wing depth was gone. They just weren't any good. Their defense is atrocious. It is really, really, really bad. For most of this game, the Thunder were shooting 60-plus percent from the field. They ended the game shooting 52%. But this Thunder team is literally the worst offensive team in the league. They are 30th out of 30 in offensive rating. And they just hung 118 on Atlanta in regulation. Like that, the Atlanta defense, even though Atlanta out-rebounded Oklahoma City uh, and got more shots off than Oklahoma City, that defense was just absolutely porous. Just really, really bad. And it got me thinking throughout the game. This offseason, a lot of people touted Atlanta because they went out and they made big, bold moves in the offseason. They signed guys like Boyan, or not Boyan, Bogdan, Bogdanovich, um, Danilo Gallinari, Chris Dunn, um, Rajon Rondo. They went out and they got all these guys. And it was like, oh, Atlanta's tired of losing. They're going to make a push for the playoffs. Well, look at where Atlanta's at now. They're 11th in the East. They are tied with Oklahoma City with a record of 14 and 19. 
They're not close to the playoffs. Now, maybe they will start to push a little bit closer there. But what was the point in going out and signing all those guys? Atlanta still sucks. It's just now, instead of being a bottom four team, they're going to be like a bottom 12 team. So they're not going to get as good of a draft pick. And I just, they cut their rebuild short. And this is what we've been preaching for so long. Like, you can't do this. You can't do this. Like, you have to see it through. I think the Thunder will see their rebuild through. Atlanta just decided, like their ownership, I guess, decided, we want to win. Go put some stuff around Trey Young. And they did. It's, I, know, I understand, again, some of those guys were out tonight. But 14 and 19, like, isn't going to cut it. They're going to be middle of the pack. So they're not going to get a great draft pick. They're nowhere close to pushing for, like, right now, even the playoffs, much less to second round in the playoffs. It's a really bad place to be in, and they it's, that's 100% self-inflicted. Their mediocrity is 100% self-inflicted. Not a good look for Atlanta. Not a good look at all. Okay, that's all I'm going to talk about Atlanta because there were some significant Thunder performances tonight that I really want to dive into. My first one, I'm calling Bay's Praise. I like it because it rhymes. Also, I mean, I'll own up to it. I have absolutely no problem doing that. Darius Baisley has struggled recently, the past couple of weeks, and I thought it really culminated, culminated, I can't talk, cumulated, culminated, whatever the word is. It really all came to a head on Wednesday night against the San Antonio Spurs. When you watched Darius Baisley in that game, he was 0 of 8 from the field, 0 points, 10 rebounds, but his body language was very poor. The one that stuck out to me the most was Bays like went up and missed a layup. Uh, he got knocked out of bounds by San Antonio, and Baisley just sat there and hung his head. Shea came over and tried to high five him, and Baisley ignored him. The Thunder inbound the ball, and Baisley went and stood like five feet behind the three point line and just stood straight up with his hands on his hips, like not trying to cut, not trying to catch a pass, not trying to crash the glass, not doing anything. And I was like, man, that is a really bad look. Like, that kid is struggling. So I have to give it up to him tonight when he comes out and goes for 18 points, 12 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block. Only one of five from three. His three-point shooting has still been poor. But eight of 12 from the field overall. And only one of four from the free throw line as well. But was very aggressive. Had multiple dunks tonight, including one late in the game, a a vicious drive and dunk that kind of sealed the game for the Thunder. That was very impressive. So I want to give Baisley praise. He had that poor game Wednesday night. He had that poor body language. He had low confidence that night. And that changed. He came out and he didn't let that drag over to this game. He came out motivated and ready. And he played a great game tonight. And and I want to give him a shout out for it. He played really, really well. Uh, Struggled a little bit defensively. That's okay. Uh, we, we just want to see step-by-step growth for Baisley. And I think we saw that tonight. He he bounced back well. And so I'm, I'm proud of Baisley. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, and, and he had a good night. A whole lot of other guys we're going to talk about. Let's jump in, to, though, to the face of the franchise, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Shea's line tonight against the Hawks. 24 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. He shot 56% from the field. He shot 60% from three. He shot 75% from the free throw line. Only uh, four attempts from the free throw line. 16 uh, field goal attempts. You'd like to see that number come up a little bit. Shea has been incredible. 
there's no other way to say it. So I have some stats here I want to tell you guys. So early on in February, from the 10th through the 17th, Shea missed four straight games with that uh, that knee sprain, right? Where it looked like he was okay, but they were just being like overly cautious. He then came back from that knee sprain and he played against Memphis. And then the next game was against Milwaukee. In those two games, Shea averaged 19 points a game. He shot 37% from the field, 40% from three, had three and a half rebounds and five and a half assists. Okay. I mean, the 19, three and a half, five and a half, like those are fine numbers, but the 37%, the 19 points, that's not good. Over the past four games, Shea is averaging 31 points, shooting 62% from the field, 64% from three, 85% from the free throw line, five rebounds, five and a half assists insanely efficient, insanely efficient. Now that is a small sample size. That's four games. Guys can get hot for four games, 100%, right? Early on this season, we all thought uh, Lou Dort was going to be a 45% three point shooter, right? And that came crashing down. It's a sample size, right? This isn't who Shea is. I mean, if Shea can score 31, five and five on 62, 64, 85 splits for a season, He's probably the best player in NBA history, the most efficient player in NBA history by a long shot, right? That's not that that's not who he's going to be, but those numbers are incredibly encouraging. He's picking his spots, he's setting up his teammates, he's being aggressive, and it looks like he's made a jump. I mean, he it already looked like he had made a jump this season, but if Shea can play this type of basketball, I mean, watch out. We like he missed the All Star game. If he can play like this, he's going to be an All Star next year, and he might flirt around with All NBA. He's been absolutely incredible. I mentioned it on Twitter tonight, and I wanted to bring it up here on the show and kind of elaborate a little bit on this. His three point stroke is legit. He has become very, very good at that step back three and that sidestep three. And I tweeted tonight and I said, if he can unlock that, if that is real, that opens up his offensive game so much. Because here's what happens in Shea's offensive game. Shea has the ball. He's dribbling. He gets a screen by by his big man or somebody. Uh, The guy that's guarding Shea as Shea comes around the screen goes underneath the screen because we all know Shea's game is to get into the lane. He's the number one player in drives per game in the NBA. He gets to the paint. So teams are playing under the screen on him. And the reason they do that is because when you go underneath the screen, you are putting more space between you and Shea, and you are playing closer to the basket so you can defend the paint better against him. Well, if Shea can start hitting that three and that thing is real and that step back is real, teams are going to have to start respecting that, and they're going to have to play over the top of the screen. Now, I know a lot of you guys probably know what that means, but I want to break it down anyways for maybe listeners who uh, don't know kind of what I'm talking about here. When the defense plays over the top of the screen, Shea's man, whoever's guarding him, let's say let's say Herder tonight, right? Shea comes off a Roby screen, and let's say Herder has to come over the top of the screen instead of going under. What that does is that puts Herder behind the play, and it puts Shea in really a two-on-one with the big man the guy that's guarding Isaiah Roby. 
and that big man typically sinks back to protect the paint. Kind of plays middle ground between the guy that has the ball, which would be Shea, and the guy that's rolling to the basket, which would be Roby. And it's taking Herter a second to catch back up, which allows Shea a chance to attack that big man going to the basket. So if he's hitting the three, it's going to open up the driving lane for him and allow him to be aggressive going to the hoop. If he's going to the hoop, the defense is going to have to go underneath that screen to prevent him from getting that angle. And so it's really a pick-your-poison thing at that point. However they play the screen is going to depend on what Shea can do. And if he can prove to be effective both when teams play under the screen and play over the screen, and he proves effective being that by shooting the three, we know he can drive, right? He's incredible at that. But if that three-point shot is legit, that step back is legit, he starts to become Harden-esque offensively. And I don't use that term lightly. He starts to become like James Harden offensively in that he's just an absolute murderer in the pick and roll, right? He's a serial killer in the pick and roll. I'm really anxious to see how this develops over the rest of the season, but his three-point percentage uh, was already at 40%, and now it's climbing even more after these past few games. Teams are going to have to start respecting him. He shot five of them tonight. He shot 10 against San Antonio. I would like to see Shea shoot like six or seven threes a game. If he can be efficient with them, I would love to see him shoot six or seven threes a game. I think that is massively important for his growth. Um, he's he's a killer, man. He is an absolute killer, uh, and it is awesome to see. All right, enough on Shea. Let's move on to a guy that maybe should be player of the game tonight in rookie 19-year-old Teo Maladone. Teo played 34 minutes tonight, only shot 36% from the field and 33% from three. But the thing that jumps out is the 12 assists. Teo gets a double-double tonight, 13 points, 12 assists, four rebounds. He was diming people up tonight, really running the show a lot. He had a pass, was it in the fourth quarter, where he kind of drove, collapsed the defense, looked to uh, to the elbow, and then threw a no-look pass to the guy cutting on the baseline that like legitimately got me out of my chair. I said, whoa, what a pass. Like Legitimately, he, it got a reaction out of me. He reads the floor so well for a 19-year-old. His basketball IQ and his poise as a 19-year-old is special. And his shooting and his scoring still isn't quite there. Uh, that will develop with time. I am not worried about that. When you have a player that can play this intelligently, um, that's really special, right? And we really saw that tonight. Shout out to Teo. 12 assists, most assists by a Thunder rookie in OKC history per the Thunder broadcast tonight. So awesome, awesome stuff by Teo. Um, and I hope we can see that continue to progress, right? Uh, if he can start assisting more and, and setting up teammates and still hitting his threes, he also starts to become a uh, an offensive threat. And so that's nice. Wanted to mention Lou Dort. Dort came out tonight, dropped 19 points, three rebounds, two assists. But the big thing, four of nine from three, 44% from the three-point line. Lou started the season off crazy hot from three. And then we saw it take a huge, huge, huge dip. It just plummeted. And then now over the past few games, he's starting to get back up in those 30, mid mid to high 30s to 40% from three. So it's kind of like it's swinging back up. I never thought 
Lou is going to be like a 40% three-point shooter. I also don't think he's a 25% three-point shooter. I think he's going to level out somewhere in that 34, 35% range, which is solid, right? That's like right around league average. If he can be a league average three-point shooter, continue to develop his to-the-basket game, and then just be the absolute tear he is defensively, that's really, really good stuff. Speaking of defensively, Trey Young tonight, 7 of 21 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, had 17 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, uh, but a super inefficient 17 points. 17 points on 21 shots. A uh, lot of courtesy to Lou Dort for locking him up. I thought Shea Gilgis-Alexander also guarded Trey really well tonight. One more player, and then we're going to get on to your guys' Twitter questions, and you guys showed out tonight with the Twitter questions, so I really appreciate that. Last guy we got to mention, his first game of his Thunder career, fresh off the G League bubble. Ty Jerome comes in tonight, 4 of 7 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3. Had 9 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 steals. Some solid minutes from Ty, Ty Jerome. It was awesome to see him play. It was awesome to see him be good. Um, I think a lot of people are pretty stoked and high on Ty Jerome right now. I just want to tell you guys, I'm not taking anything away from Ty. He had a great performance. But just use caution here, right? Ty is not on anybody's scouting report. Nobody is focusing in on the guy. Atlanta probably had no clue what he was going to do when he came in the game or that he was going to come in the game. So we see this sometimes, right? Guys come in and they perform really good whenever nobody's expecting them to do anything. And then after 10 or 15 games, they really start to crater off because word starts to get out, oh, hey, he likes to drive right. Hey, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He likes to pass uh, after he, he doesn't pass off the dribble. He has to grab the ball to, to pass. So whenever he grabs the ball, swarm him, right? Those things start coming out in scouting reports after about 10 to 15 games. So, Yes, Ty had an awesome game tonight. Super excited for him. That was awesome to see. We'll see what he does in the future. But don't start to feel like, oh my God, the Thunder got another one. Maybe they did, right? Maybe Ty Drum's going to turn out to be a really solid player. Just pump the brakes a little bit, right? It's a very small sample size. It's one game. But it was a really good game, and it was really fun to see Ty get into an NBA game and be uh, productive. It was really fun to watch. Um, So good for him. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. 
Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC, maximum balance and transfer limits apply. With that being said, let's get on to some of your Twitter questions. And like I said, you guys really showed out with the Twitter questions tonight. Uh, I really appreciate that. So let's, uh, let's get into them. I'm trying to find them here. This is poor podcasting as I'm scrolling and trying to find uh, the questions. All right, here we go. We got, yeah, a lot of them. From Black Dolphin 5 says, why do you think Baisley had a better game tonight? That's a good question. I think Baisley sometimes has these moments where he has a really bad game and he like self-corrects and comes out and has a really good game. The thing is, we don't want Baisley to have like really low games and then really high games. We don't want this up and down roller coaster ride. We want him to be consistent and he hasn't gotten there yet. And so hopefully he can, but shout out to him for having a good game tonight. I think it's just... Um, you know, he has a bad game and a low confidence game like he did Wednesday. And then the coaching staff goes back to the drawing board with him, kind of simplifies everything a little bit. I mean, tonight was very simple for Bays: Defend, shoot threes, and dunk the basketball. And he did that really well. Uh, from at Nature of the Nine asks, if we do land two top 10 picks, what do you think Presti will do with it? Niner by Nature, I think... Presti's goal, and and I don't know, I don't know the dude, right? But I would assume off past experiences, off what Presti has said publicly, I would assume his goal is to get in the top five. If he gets two top 10 picks, maybe he packages both of those and, and future picks to try to climb into the top five. But I think he really wants to get into the top five. Um, Nature of the Nine also asks, is the tank for Cade officially done? I wouldn't say so. I mean... I bring this up a lot. New Orleans had the ninth best odds to to land the number one overall pick a few years ago when they got it and selected Zion Williamson, right? So it's not impossible. Let's see what happens after the trade deadline, right? Do the Thunder go crazy and trade away like Mike Muscala and Al Horford and George Hill and, and people like that and really uh, deplete the roster, right? Because Shea has been awesome, but you still want to get top-tier talent around him. You do that by getting a top five pick. You get a top five pick by having a poor record. So I wouldn't say the tank for Kate is officially done. Are the Thunder playing well? Yes. Is Shea playing at a star level? Yes. But I still think they're going to try uh, to maximize their draft capital as much as possible. And you maximize it by losing games. From my dude, Justin, co-host at OKC Tracker, can the Thunder wear a different uniform in each quarter? Sign me up. They should play uniform roulette. Just come out after each quarter. Both teams should do this. Come out after each quarter, both teams wearing a new uni, and see what happens. 
From at JD underscore Brown 9, why are the Hawks so bad at winning when they're trying to win? Follow up, why are the Thunder the exact opposite of the Hawks? Minus those first half jerseys. Um, Yeah, I mentioned this at the top of the podcast. The Hawks are bad, right? And they tried to be good. They tried to go out. They spent all their money and they're going to end up, I don't think they're going to end up eighth worst record in the league. Maybe they end up in the play-in tournament. And let's say they do end up in the play-in tournament and they lose. Okay, so they get the 12th pick in the draft. Mediocrity is not where you want to be. You want to be either pushing for your conference finals or you want to be bottoming out and getting a top five pick. You can't tell me Atlanta wouldn't be better by being bad this year and getting like a Jonathan Kaminga or a Cade Cunningham or a Jalen Green to add to that team. If you say that's not good for them, you're lying. Or you're just not, you you don't know what you're talking about, right? That would have been the best case scenario for Atlanta this year. From at GED underscore Shearer, how does Shea's level of play recently change the long-term plan for the Thunder, if at all? That's a great question. His, Like I mentioned, his play has been insane, just crazy efficient. Small sample size on four games, but if you, even if you look at the season as a whole, he's over 50% from the field, over 40% from three. Uh, if he would hit his free throws, he'd be having a 50-40-90 season on 23-24 points a game, uh, five rebounds, six assists. That's insanely good. Like, insanely good. Um, can he be the number one guy in a championship team? I don't know, right? We'll see. He's still developing. He's only 22 years old. He's only going to get better. But I don't think that detracts from the point that the Thunders still want to get elite talent on this team. You're not going to go deep in the playoffs if you don't have elite talent. Baisley is good, right? He's, he's, I think he's going to be okay. I hope. Dort is good, right? Hamadou Diallo has been playing well. But those aren't like elite talent players. Those aren't Shea Gilgis level, Shea Gilgis Alexander level players. I think the Thunder want more guys that are on Shea's level or better, right? Dort, Baisley, Hami, those guys are role players. And I love them to death, but that's what they are. They're role players. The Thunder want really elite talent, right? And so even though Shea is playing great, I think the Thunder say, oh, hell yes, we've got a guy. Let's get some other guys to go with him so we can really make some noise in the next couple of years and try to get back to the Western Conference Finals. So I don't think it changes the long-term plan too awful much. Maybe it speeds it up, though, right? Maybe it speeds it up. Maybe the Thunder get lucky and land a top-five pick in this upcoming draft and then can trade and get another top-five pick in this upcoming draft because they want to get a couple of players that they think are going to be elite and pair next to Shea. Maybe it speeds up the process, but I don't think it changes the overall outlook of the team, the overall plan of the team. Um, We have one from This Is Wash. Could Shea be better than he already is? He's already really smart, has great skill set, and is good on D. Um, I think he can be better than what he already is. Here's the thing we know about Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He was not highly recruited out of high school whenever he was a senior. He was the last player taken by Kentucky because they only had X amount of scholarships. Shea made a leap from his senior year of high school to his college year, right? He became a better basketball player. And then from his one year at Kentucky in college to his game with, or to his year with 
the Clippers, he became better. And then from his year with the Clippers, his rookie year, to last year with the Thunder, he became better. And then last year with the Thunder to this year with the Thunder, he's gotten better. I'm not going to bet against him like not getting better, right? We've seen this consistent pattern with him that he gets better each year. He's only 22. I think he's going to continue to grow. And so I do think he can be better than he already is. And I think that is very exciting. I think the Thunder really wanted to give Shea the keys this year and see what they had, like what they really had in him. Last year, he was like a complimentary player. And I think they are surprised at what they're seeing. And I think they are incredibly excited at what they're seeing. Uh, last Twitter question from at Rizuan17, R-I-S-Z-U-A-N-17. When will we actually start our tank job? It's a good question. They're on a two-game win streak. It's not like they're tanking right now. Um, let's see what happens uh, over the, the rest of the games up to the break, and then let's see what happens at the trade deadline, right? I think that all-star break, even though the trade deadline comes a couple weeks after that all-star break, typically whenever GMs and, and coaches and everybody aren't busy with in-season stuff and they have that all-star break, that's when a lot of those conversations start to happen. So I bet you all-star break and after we really start to see some movement in the trade market and then obviously trade deadline day is always busy let's see what happens there maybe the thunder trade away all their vets maybe they get rid of al horford and mike muscala and guys like that and it really starts to to bottom out this team so where they can still get their young guys experience uh, and help them grow but also lose some games uh, so they can maximize their draft picks so i wouldn't i I don't know when they're going to start their tank job i think they they've wanted to uh, but let's wait and let's see what happens between now and the All-Star break, and then especially around the trade deadline. I think that's when we might start to see uh, this team really put a focus on developing young guys and not winning games. So uh, that's all I've got for you guys tonight. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate you. Like I said, ooh, it's a little loud. Like I said, we've got some news coming next week for the post-game pod, so be on the lookout for that. We will be back with you in 24 hours as the Thunder take on the Denver Nuggets Saturday night. And then Sunday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, we will be live. Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter.com. So come join us, hang out, ask some questions in the chat, chill with us. We always have a great time with you guys in the chat. We'd love to see you there. You guys have a great weekend. It's supposed to be nice weather here in Oklahoma this weekend, so enjoy the outdoors. We will talk to you soon, and as always, thunder up.